Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. You know what's really important when you're traveling internationally to have with you all the time? Your passport. That's exactly right. Your passport is so critical. It is the proof. It is the evidence that you have that proves that you are you. And without it, uh-oh. So many of, there was about 45 of us, maybe 50 of us, uh, several years ago who went on a journey to the Holy Land. And I got to participate in that trip. And um, I remember getting off the plane and gathering everyone together and standing in line. And then I, I heard the voice of a really good friend say to me before we left, John, just be Christ all the time. To whoever you encounter and in whatever happens on this trip, just just be Christ. And I'm like, okay, got it. For some reason, the Holy Spirit rang that in my ears while I was standing at passport control in Israel. And we're waiting and all of us are kind of waking up from the fog of a very long flight, and it's now my turn to step up to the window. And the young lady says, passport, please. And I said, I got it. Here you go. And I hand it to her. And she says, where are you coming from? And I said, well, the U.S., technically San Diego. Great. How long are you going to be here? Oh, wait, what day is it? I don't I think we're going to be here just shy of 14 days. Let's say 13. She took that answer, typed it in, and then she goes, where are you going? Well, we're going to tour the Holy Land, and I'm really excited. She goes, okay, great. She types a couple of things, looks back at me, types a little bit more. And then she says, where are you staying? And I go, oh, Lord have mercy. I don't know where we're staying. It's in a hotel somewhere. I said, actually, I have the address in my backpack. Would you like me to get it? We're here with a touring company, and, and they've navigated all of the details, and I'm in a fog. And she goes, it's okay. Can you get the address? Sure. So I get it out, and I give her the address. She types a few things, looks back. And it dawned on me. My passport says, born in Egypt. And there is lots of conflict in the Middle East. And she says, I would like you to go to that room over there. And I went, um, okay. And I start to take one step, and I realize she still has my passport. So I turn, because I need evidence that I'm me. My driver's license means nothing. It says California. Who cares? And I ask, may I have my passport back? And she says, no. And I go, "Uh uh-oh. And she goes, over there. So I go over to the room, and it's probably, I don't know, wall-to-wall, chairs. I sit down, and now I'm really hearing my friend's voice. You are a child of God. Be Christ. Because all of the things are, like, bubbling up in me, and I'm like, I'm in a foreign country. I don't have any form of identification. Oh, maybe my cell phone works. Not a chance. What was I thinking? Pull my cell phone. Oh, maybe they have Wi-Fi. Nope, not a chance, no Wi-Fi. Because now I'm thinking, i got to tell my friends I'm okay. 
And I sit down. There's a young man, two seats next to me. And uh, he's quite agitated. And a woman comes in, a staff member. And she has a sandwich and a water bottle. And she hands it to him. And she goes, I'm sorry you've been here for four hours. We're still not done. And I'm like, four hours? Oh, Lord have mercy. Jesus, come now. (laughs) And I'm starting to think I'm going to be here for four hours. It's really important to have your passport and ID to prove who you are in moments where you need to know and others need to know that you are who you are. That passport was so important to me, and I didn't have it. I didn't have proof that I was who I was and am who I am. I didn't have any of that. All I had was my friend saying to me, be Christ in all circumstances. I said, okay. It's like this moment as the author, Luke, writes his first gospel. He's trying to offer, and he's offering very good evidence as to who Jesus is. He starts in the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to get to Acts in a moment. He starts, he says, Luke chapter 1, verse 1 says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And if you've got your Bibles, he continues. This is part two of his gospel. We've learned from him who Jesus is and what he taught and what he did. And now he's going to teach us what Jesus is doing in and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1 with me. We're going to start in verse 1. He says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They looked intently into the sky as he was going, and when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? 
this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Did you hear some of the proofs, some of the evidence that he offers us? about Jesus' resurrection? Because it was certainly being questioned. It was certainly on the table for discussion. Was Jesus really alive? Or was he just a ghost? You've heard and you know Thomas's question. I won't believe until I see and put my finger in his hands, until I see and touch. And Jesus says, here. Here are my hands. For us, we want proof. We want scientific proof that sometimes we say we want scientific proof that God exists. And I say, I can't prove to you that you went to work on Friday scientifically. I cannot prove to you that you did something in the past. I cannot prove to you that George Washington scientifically lived. That's not possible. It's not the point of science. I can do what I can do is show you evidence that you went to work on Friday. Like for example, I would go and talk to your supervisor, your boss. I would say, "Hey, did Doug Reevy go to work? Well, he's retired, so he probably didn't go to work, but I'm just going to pick on Doug for a moment. Doug did, Doug, did Doug Reevy go to work on Friday? And his supervisor, his boss, would say, yeah, I saw him. He was here. I would go to his coworkers and say, coworkers, did you see him working today? And they would say, yeah, we did this, and we talked about, we talked about our family and kids, and, and we had lunch together, and he had this kind of sandwich. And I'm like, wow, that's really good evidence. It's not the proof that many people ask for. Because I can't prove it scientifically, but I can pile on the evidence like Luke does about Jesus' resurrection. You see, Luke wants us to know with certainty that Jesus is alive. And the best part about it is the best evidence that we have right now, because you're thinking, well, how do, I sh- how do I prove, how do I show the evidence that Jesus is alive? That was 2,000 years ago, Pastor John. I go, yeah, you're right. I say, look in the mirror. You and I, as children of God, loved by Christ, we are the evidence that God is good and that Jesus is alive in us. Have you experienced forgiveness in your life? great characteristic and attribute of God that Jesus taught you and that Jesus showed you. Do you know what love is? Yes, you do. Because God loves you so much that he sends his son to die on the cross that you might have life and life abundantly. It's the evidence this world needs is for the church to be Christ's witnesses. The evidence is right here in this sanctuary. And there are so many beautiful faces that God is so excited about because you live faithfully in the kingdom. The evidence keeps getting piled on. As Luke says, while they sat and ate together, you know, ghosts don't eat. He taught them about the kingdom. He's recounting all of the conversations that they had 
that Jesus had with the disciples, all of this is evidence of Jesus' resurrection. And then Jesus gives them a command to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And I wrestled with this one for a long time because waiting is no fun. Waiting is hard. And it's funny, as you were praying, I'm like, Lord, do they already know the sermon this morning? Because we're already praying about waiting. Waiting is hard. Why did Jesus ask them to wait? I asked myself that question. And I sat in it. And I waited for an answer. And I realized something. Living in the kingdom of God, living in the kingdom now, is waiting for the Holy Spirit to move in my life and to lead me in the direction that I should be going, that God is calling me to go. Oftentimes when I don't wait, guess who's leading? Because I get impatient. I get a little anxious and maybe frustrated. God's taking too long. It's like, it's like dinner is being made and you've got children in the house and the pantry door's open and dinner's like 35, 45 minutes from being made and, and the kids are, and maybe even the husband, I know that I heard that one this morning, right? And even the husband's in the pantry with the boys and, and we're picking out chips and, and all sorts of really good things, pub mix and peanut butter pretzels and now you're all hungry, which is wonderful. And don't worry, we'll be out soon. Um, and what do we tell our children? Wait, dinner's coming, wait for it, it's okay, it's good. Wait, there is power in waiting, because in waiting, God is empowering you as the church to be mobilized, to go from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about men and women who have understood what it looks like to be a witness. And, and Brianna, thank you so much for praying for the Keller family and the church because I think our brother Tim Keller, who died three days ago, who was a pastor in Manhattan, was a marvelous pastor, a wonderful, faithful man of God, a witness. In Christianity Today, they wrote a, a beautiful tribute about his life and his ministry and the work that he had done. And, and that actually, he would even say that. He would say that the Holy Spirit did through him and that he had opportunity to participate in. Christianity Today called Tim Keller a pastor who modeled winsome witness. A pastor who modeled winsome witness. Wow. To be described as someone who is winsome and a witness for Christ. What a great honor. But one thing I love about Tim Keller is that he knew what the real problem was. And he knew that we knew what the real problem was and is in this world. It's not gun violence, even though that is a problem in this world. It's not the wars that we're praying for. It's not even the education system. It's not, it's not politics, the divided politics that could potentially even sit in this sanctuary. He knew, just like you and I know, 
our biggest challenge, our biggest problem is our heart. And Christ is after our hearts more than anything else. And Tim Keller knew it and wanted more and more people to have a heart of flesh. Don't we know that our heart is evil and wicked? Don't we know that the things that we want to do, our heart desires, we shouldn't do, and we do anyway? The matter is the heart, God's greatest promise to us. The covenant is that God will take our heart of stone and give us what? A heart of flesh, a heart that needs life and has life in Christ. What a beautiful witness he lived and in calling people to live in the kingdom of heaven. Faithful witnesses as evidence that Christ dwells in you. The world desperately needs it. God has, Jesus told his disciples, taught them, you are the light of the world. That's a statement of fact. It wasn't a suggestion that you are the light of the world, that Christ's light shines through you and darkness cannot. That's who we are, the church, to live in the kingdom of heaven. And I love it because the kingdom of heaven is a life filled with love, a life filled with mercy, a life filled with grace, a life filled with service, a life filled with sacrifice, to be reminded by a good friend that I, that is our mission, that is our purpose. And some of you might be thinking, well, other pastors have talked about this moment in Acts where we're to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's true, we are. And maybe God has called you to the mission field and God is calling you to Russia or to China or to Ethiopia or to Egypt for that matter. Or maybe you're praying right now and thinking, Lord, don't call me there. Please don't call me there. I'm not ready to leave things. I'm just not ready. Okay. I'm okay with that. Maybe those lines are not geographic lines for us today in our current culture and our current climate in this world. Maybe those are not geographic lines. Maybe they're ethnic lines. Maybe they're socioeconomic lines that God is calling you to be a witness through in a powerful moment, an opportunity for us to be Christ's light of love and forgiveness and grace and mercy and service and sacrifice. That is what Christ is calling us. And you're invited. You're invited to live into the kingdom as Christ calls you and shows you you are. <laughs> you are my witness. You are my evidence. You are my proof. Just look in the mirror. You have experienced my forgiveness and grace and mercy in ways this world desperate. And so wait for me. Wait patiently for the Holy Spirit to lead and to lead you and to lead you well. And God's not calling you to be, God's calling you to be you. God's calling you, Doug, to be Doug because you are his witness. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. 
I know many of you are wondering what happened to my passport because as Andy is putting the offering basket back, he's like, what happened to your passport? It's okay. I had it in my notes to share with you what happened, right? Obviously, I'm here, so that means I got it back, right? So that's good. You can rest easy. It's okay. They did ask. (laughs) No. (laughs) There was no search or seizure. There was none of that. It was... They were very kind and generous. <laughs> they did ask me a few questions because I was born in Egypt. They asked me where my parents currently reside. They live here in Southern California. They're like, great, what does your dad do? Well, he's retired. Great, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Right? They go through the whole shebang. And guess what? It didn't matter because I was in the best hands that I could ever be in. And as a child of God, I can't think of a better place to be than in the kingdom of heaven here and now. And we are called to go forth and serve, to be the light of the world, to be witnesses to the truth of the gospel, because you are it.